Welcome into another episode of Behind the Catch Fence. I'm your host, David Hoffman. It's episode 20. It's the special 20th episode. Uh, that was really cool, David. <laughs> but um, before I begin, let's get that promo in. I'd like to give a quick shout out to No Copyright Music on YouTube. They're the ones creating the music that I'm playing. It's obviously no copyright music, so it's free. I'd like to thank you guys for that. With me being a broke college student, I'm grateful for you guys. Go subscribe to them. No copyright music. On today's episode, since we officially have made it to the monumental 20th episode, what better way than with a special interview? On today's episode, we have the only man in the world that can say he's won the Rolex 24 at Daytona five times overall. That man is none other than Scott Pruitt. Pruitt is the only driver in the history of motorsports that can say he's competed against the likes of A.J. Foyt, Dale Earnhardt, Ayrton Senna, the Andretti's, and the Unser's. He's won a record 60 sports car wins in his illustrious career, along with competing in countless NASCAR, IndyCar, IMSA, IROC, and professional karting races over the span of 50 years. Pruitt was inducted into the Motorsports Hall of Fame back in 2017, cementing a legacy that will be remembered in motorsports forever. Without further introduction, sit back, relax, and enjoy this special interview with motorsports legend Scott Pruitt. Scott, Hello. how are you? I'm good. How you doing? Good. I love the hair, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> Where are you at right now? I am <clears throat> standing in our uh, in a winery. Oh, okay. Yeah. How has that business been going, especially with COVID going on? Um. Better. It's um. It's good. You know, it's always. Uh, a little better shot here it's always uh exciting we're sneaking up on uh sneaking up on harvest um we've had some crazy uh crazy weather out here really sure. hot and seasonally hot and then um we also had some crazy uh um lightning storms roll through here which caused a lot of havoc mm. uh started about 300 fires uh, so stuff in Napa and, um, Sonoma, a lot of, a lot of fires burning. So it's, it's, you hate it. Just hate it. it sucks. But yeah, you pull through it and you know, I'm sure it'll, yeah, it'll, you know, you're a great businessman, so it'll all work out. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so where, just, where are you at? Where are you based at? Uh, I'm actually at, at a school right now in Virginia, um, at Liberty university. Okay. Uh, just studying sports broadcasting, my junior. So I cool. created this podcast about a year and a half ago. So just kind of okay. slowly getting there. And I appreciate you coming on, by the way. Sure. But I uh, rolling into it. Um, you know, how have you been? What have you been up to just with uh, quarantine lately and all this craziness? Well, you know, it is um, first time to my family at home. Uh, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I was, was going to ask uh, that, but boom. <laughs> Uh, great to be on the show. It's um, I hope uh, all your uh, listeners and viewers out there are, are doing well and are safe. And um, this COVID thing has been has been crazy. Um, I know it's affected all of us in different ways. With us, uh, with me specifically, it's I, I had a full season. I had uh, a lot of testing going on with Lexus. I'm an ambassador for Lexus as well as Rolex. 
And so Lexus has been uh, had me very busy. I've been doing a lot of development over the past two and a half years with the new convertible, the, the LC convertible that is just uh, hitting market right now. Um, and we're scheduled to do a bunch more testing in Japan. We had four or five uh, tests set up over there. So uh, everything was canceled. Uh, we're just waiting patiently to get things going. However, um, at the vineyard winery, so I have uh, a vineyard winery. It's called Pruitt Vineyard. Uh, Pruittvineyard.com. You can see where we're at and, and what's going on out here. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where um, it's just uh, – it doesn't know any difference. The, the fruit is ripening. We've had some crazy weather out here. Things are hot. Uh, things are on a move. And um, it's uh, it's literally we're probably about uh, 10 days, two weeks away from uh, uh, from getting it rolling. Oh, that's awesome. I just wanted to ask with the vineyard, um, how did that uh, how did that get started originally? Well, I've always had a passion um you know, my grandfather, great-grandfather were farmers. Dad was a farmer. And um, so I must be in my blood. I grew up on a ranch and loved doing that. Didn't want to do row crops or wheat, rice, oats, anything like that. And the wine business seemed uh, very romantic and very fun, which it is. And, you know, it was one of those things where we didn't know at the time we would be producing what we're producing. It's... Um, uh, world-class wine. We're consistently one of the highest, if not the highest rated Syrahs in all of California by Wine Spectator, if not the world. And the demand for it has, has been uh, incredible. Uh, we, we sell out every year. We don't make a lot. We're direct consumer. Uh, I do the winemaking. So I've been in the vineyards. We started from scratch. So we planted the vines, tended the vines, took care of everything along the way. Uh, very intimate uh, with with every aspect of, of the wine business, and uh, it's been a lot of fun for me. It's been a real interesting because you got to realize I started doing this. We planted in 2007. I'm still actively racing seven, eight, nine, ten. Won the championship 2010, 2012, um, as well as running the, the vineyard and winery at home and and uh, tending tending to that. So it's been exciting. It's been a lot of fun, uh, and it's. It's it's polar opposite to the to the racing. You know, I live my life in fractions of a second. Now in the wine business, everything is years or vintages. That's so true. Uh, it's been a lot different. I was wondering, what was like a typical day for you? Like like today, what what's kind of like the process, or is it like certain processes as like a, you know time goes on type of thing? Well, first first thing is you know typically you're up by you know about five five thirty every morning. Um, take a look at the weather what it's doing um we've had some some real interesting weather going on out here um we looks like we're gonna have we just got finished with about 10 days of 100 degree plus weather uh, which is untypical for us and now it looks like we're gonna have unseasonable about another week of mid to high 90s uh, which accelerates harvest and so uh for me then going out walking vineyards and and doing berry samples and uh, seeing where the, the the sugar levels are, seeing where the pHs are, um, as well as making sure that I have everything lined here at, at the, the vineyard and winery. All the production equipment is clean and sanitized. Everything's ready to roll. Got all my guys in place of, of need and help. And uh, as well as, um, you know, planning for these other things, doing, you know, we do uh, a few um, um, online events, uh, wine tasting events for uh, different companies so we had one of those yesterday afternoon and um, you know we're scheduling more of those and and uh, and with 
not just from our with ourselves at Pruitt Vineyard, but also with other companies that I'm involved with, like Lexus and Rolex, but also some other companies that want to give something uh, more exciting to to their uh, most valued customers. That's amazing. And you mentioned with uh, with uh, Lexus, obviously you your final couple seasons in uh, in, in IMSA was uh, racing for them. Um, how or what's kind of like your role now? Is this like a spokesperson slash just kind of like test driver or kind of what's that like? So uh, before COVID, um, what I my typical deal was I work closely together with um, with dealer dealer groups. Uh, I work uh, and host the performance driving school, the Lexus performance driving school. Uh, the majority have been held at Laguna Seca, but also we uh, have some all over all over the U.S. Uh, those events have been been great. Uh, working together with the engineers, testing new product that we we kind of touched on earlier. Uh, not just new product in you know within a couple of years, but also you know two years out, five years out, ten years out. Some of the electrification, some of the alternative fuel, uh, and and different vehicles in in that category, uh, as well as um, doing a lot of different events. We do, um, you know, Pebble Beach, uh, food and wine. We do, uh, well, what was the concourse at, um, at Pebble Beach, uh, Amelia Island. So there's a lot of events they'll go to and, uh, it could be just Lexus, uh, with, with the car brand and representing that, but also it could be Lexus with the car brand and, and hosting, uh, customers and clientele where we uh, incorporate the wine as well. So, a uh, number of different aspects. I, I totally dig it. I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Um, really enjoy uh, working with uh, each and everybody from, from Lexus and, and been having a lot of fun. It seems like even you know, with racing kind of being you know, outside now, it seems like you're still keeping pretty busy for the most part. Very busy. You know, it's funny. They say, watch out when, you know, when you're tired because you you're going to get busier. So uh, it's different, and it's been a, it's been a wonderful transition. Um, getting up to spend more more time with with family uh obviously for for all of us to spend a lot of time on the road and a lot a lot of us going after their their passion uh of what they do especially on uh one that has a lot of travel involved it's uh it's been nice to spend a little bit more time with with family and and friends and a little closer to home uh for the most part however with that being said i i have been awful busy and 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 a lot going on and uh, and, and I, and I enjoy it and I, and it's not one thing that I'm doing. I'm doing all these different things, which, which keeps it fresh and keeps it new and keeps me inspired. And, and, um, uh, it's been uh, much enjoyable. I'm sure it's a little bit different from going around a racetrack pretty quickly. I'm sure. <laughs> it's a little different, but I was at Daytona, uh, earlier this, this year, giving a rides in uh, GF, GSF with, with, uh, uh, myself and three guys on board and we're going by start finish at you know almost 180 miles an hour so uh getting that opportunity is to keep my adrenaline fix uh going it has it has been good testing the new cars testing high performance cars uh, as well as hosting the lexus performance driving school i get that opportunity to still have that outlet that's amazing uh going into this what's a question you're surprised you haven't been asked before oh wow i uh I don't think I have one off the top of my head. I get asked a lot of questions uh, over the years. Obviously, most common would be, what's your favorite car? What's your favorite track? What's your favorite win? Um, but I think, um, I don't know. Uh, um, you, know they, you know, even now when, you know, I've taken, you know, I've been just blessed with a 50-year uh, racing career. The racing's been, you know, just s- such a big part of my life. Um, 
been a bit rough along the way with some of the accidents and a lot of things I've broken and concussions and fractures and hospital time and all that. But man, I love, I still love the sport. I love cars. And so this transition for me uh, to be able to be involved with Lexus, to still be around it, intimate with it, um, taking all those years of experience, because uh, I've, you know, 50 years of racing is a lot of years of racing. And I've been involved with a lot of development programs, you know, with Toyota on uh, on the IndyCar side, helping develop the engine, and uh, Firestone on the tire side with uh, developing the tire when we came back to Indy in 95, uh, as well as the development of, you know, with Ford and the Mercure and, and Lexus with the GT3 car. And, 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 and so it was just natural uh, for me to move into that, that same sort of category but now with production cars instead of race cars that's pretty cool um you know you're always keeping busy just even the first couple of minutes i'm like man you're just doing everything possible <laughs> <laughs> uh, but where did your love for racing begin and kind of how did you get your start in the motorsports as a driver um well my dad got my brother and i involved um you know first was having a go-kart that we actually ran around the farm it was a little one thing I remember, it was yellow and the chain fell off all the time. That's about uh, uh, all I remember. I remember doing my first race uh, when I was eight years old. And uh, I wouldn't say that I was very good, nor did I like it that much at the time. But as things developed, I, I came to love it. Uh, started winning locally, started winning regionally, started winning statewide. And then I won my first national title when I was 12 years old. And then continued to win national titles and and so on year after year and uh, different than a lot of guys. And so I don't have a, you know, don't come from a rich background and, and I don't come from a name background. So um, a lot of it was just knocking on doors. And whenever I got that opportunity, I'd go out and perform and win races and, and, and even taking a back marker car, moving it towards the front. Uh, so people were able to see that uh, I had the ability and would give me the chance. Um, whether it was in sports cars, you know, I did that the majority of my life, 10 years of indie cars, a couple of years stock car. And, uh, you know, it's just been, um, just a blessed career. And it seems like, um, like you've, like you, t how much more fulfilling ha does it have to be just knowing that, you know, you didn't have all the money in the world, but you just, just pushing forward and knocking on the doors and just, you know, making it was knowing that every single shot you had on track was like an opportunity and just making you right. know, full advantage of that. Well, that's that's exactly right. I mean, um, I, I believe and still believe that you one, we all have a God given talent and it's just to to take that talent and get the most out of it. Uh, but I also believe that we're very fortunate to live in America. And, and with that, you work hard and you and you focus and you put all your energy into something and you will achieve. You you absolutely will. And um, I, I there was no other option for me. You know, I wanted to. Uh, go racing and I wanted to do uh, and get that opportunity and even even in the darkest uh, moments of, of, of trying to get there in my career uh, I never gave up I just kept kept digging and kept focused and kept digging no matter how frustrated I got and was able to uh, to keep it going and I think that's the I think that's the story that that needs to be told more in America where uh, if you have a dream and you have a passion whatever that is uh, you, you work hard and, and, and you do the right thing and you're a good person, you, you will achieve. You absolutely will. 
I feel like I'm getting a motivational speech over here. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the listeners will love that. Um, but uh, what do you feel is your big break in racing that kind of propelled and just moved the trajectory up for you in racing? Well, um, first big break in racing was um, was with Ford Motor Company, actually. Um, I've been uh, the head of Ford Motor Company on the motorsport side was Michael Cranifus. Uh, he was from Europe, and, and he very much knew um, how valuable uh, and how valued uh, go-kart racing was. Um, I'd raced, because I raced not only in the States, but I raced all over the world. I raced in Hong Kong, I raced in Italy, I raced in Australia, I raced in New Zealand uh, on the go-kart side and won uh, a lot. And it was through that where he started uh, at least knowing my name, and uh, then I actually went and tested um, at Elkhart Lake. Uh, back in 1983, uh, way before you were born. And um, it was with the front engine Mustang uh, GTP car. And uh, just that was my first opportunity and then just kept knocking on doors uh, because I had won the Toyota Long Beach Grand Prix racing go-karts two years in a row. Toyota uh, offered me the opportunity to go drive the Toyota Pro Celebrity Race. Uh, I finished second to David Hobbs uh, all over him. Uh, and we still joke about that today. And he's going, who's this Pruitt kid, man? He's all over me. And um, so with those kind of opportunities, people were starting to recognize um, at least that, uh, that Scott Pruitt might have uh, something. And uh, then uh, in uh, 1985, um, they came to me and said, Hey, you want to drive with, uh, Bruce Jenner, now Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah. That's a different story. <laughs> um, <clears throat> would you like to come drive with Bruce at Elkhart Lake? And I said, yeah, of course. And so he and I drove the IMSA race, uh, <clears throat> for Jack Roush. We finished second and then they, uh, came back to me and said, Hey, would you like to go drive with, uh, Darren Brassfield in the, in the Thunderbird? Uh, that was at Pocono, and we won. So that was my first uh, first win of, of 60 wins in IMSA. And um, then they offered me a contract for 86, 87, 88, where we won four championships in three years. It's just like a storybook type of, type of yeah. feel. <laughs> I had no idea uh, uh, Bruce Jenner was a uh, driver at the time. I mean, I knew, obviously, yeah. the, being an Olympic he did a, athlete. He did a great job. When you see a lot of the athletes come in mm-hmm. – um, of, of from from other people or actors or whatever, uh, IMSA has been a you know a perfect place for them because you have multiple drivers, and so you see some that have great talent and you see some that have good talent and you see some that have no talent. Uh, but uh, Bruce was one of those who came in and he had uh, he had he had great talent. I mean, he really uh, had a good feel for the car, did a great job, and uh, actually had a lot of success. Hmm. Wow, that's really interesting. Uh, was there any driver in particular just growing up that you looked up to or admired? Sure, Dan Gurney. Um, he was that guy that, I mean, if you knew Dan, uh, he was, I would hope, just to emulate a little part of my career um, it, behind what he has achieved because it has been, he's a, he's a great driver. He's a he's a, a great mentor. He's a, he's a, um, just that guy that would take the time with you. I mean, I was just a kid growing up and hanging out at the racetrack and a lot of the drivers wouldn't even pay, you know, attention to you where, where he took the time and, uh, talked to you and got his autograph and, and, um, was able to, 
uh, over the years, eventually calling my friends. So um, I would say the most impact for me was uh, was most certainly Dan. Do you feel you kind of emulated his driving style a little bit, or did you kind of develop just your own type of uh, style? That's a that's a good question. I and I'm not I'm not real objective of what style I do have. Um, to me, it's just all about getting it done, whatever <laughs> whatever you have to do. And um, and I think I think other people would have a better view on what they consider my style. But again, it was it was fortunate enough to win a lot of championships and a lot of races, and and um, just have a wonderful career. Uh, you joined CART full-time in 1989, uh, becoming co-rookie of the year in the Indianapolis 500. Uh, how did that ride in CART come about, and what do you feel were some of the biggest challenges was just kind of transitioning into the sport? Well, the biggest uh, was trying to make that break from sports car racing to um, to IndyCar, because now I, you know, I just got, got done winning three championships in two years with Ford. Uh, I went to Europe, tested Formula One, uh, didn't seemed like that was going to really come through. It was too difficult for uh, an American driver to get the brake. And, and so I started focusing on IndyCar. Um, a lot of people now, ha- I had that reputation of being a sports car guy, not an open wheel guy. So, dang, you just couldn't, you know, couldn't catch a break there. But um, because I, you know, um, um, believed that the only way I could get that opportunity was to get in front of these team owners and sponsors i took all the money i had and and any money that that any family member or friend would give me to go rent one ride to go do uh the long beach grand prix with dick simon it was about 70 i think it was about 75 eighty thousand dollars which would be you know two hundred fifty thousand dollars in this day and age uh, i felt i could always make the money back uh, i had to take the big gamble and uh, went and did, did Long Beach. I was racing both races. I was racing uh, with Jack Roush in the Trans Am race and then also in the IndyCar race. Uh, took that car, got it up in the top 10. Unfortunately, it broke. But it got enough attention where later that on that year when Kevin Kogan broke his arm, I was able to fill in for him uh, at Mid-Ohio and at Meadowlands and uh, really run, run strong and, and get more attention uh, on me. And, and then True Sports, Budweiser, came to me late that year and said, hey, we'd love to sign you for a three-year contract. Uh, Bobby Rahal is going to Craco, and we'd love to give you the opportunity. Uh, signed on with them in 89, Rookie of the Year, finished top 10 in the championship, and here we go. It seems like from what I've heard from other drivers, it's just, it just takes one kind of opportunity, even if you know your car happens to break or something like that, just to get noticed just that little bit and then – it just kind of starts to take off and just taking advantage of the opportunities. I feel like is this the main key? Yeah, it, it's, I mean, you, everybody's looking for the next, uh, the next talent always, um, NASCAR, uh, IndyCar, sports car. Uh, and, um, you, you, you are looking for, for that, for that talent because that can, uh, help propel your team uh, to the front. And so, um, it's, it's one of those things where everybody always has their ear out. And then once, once you can get that snowball rolling, and if you're fortunate enough, you can, uh, you know, continue on with that. And, it's, and there's ups and downs with no, without question. It wasn't all smooth. Um, in March of 90, you know, here I had this great rookie season. I was ready to, you know, just go, go take on the world, go after the championship in IndyCar. Uh, and here I have a, a, a horrible crash where I, you know, shattered my ankles, broke my knees, broke my back, and I'm I'm out for the whole season. So, 
it's 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 one of those things and then you have to rebuild and, and get it going again and um but again it just goes back to never give up just never give up you mentioned that crash in 1990 uh what was your kind of recollection of what happened and just how did you stay mentally strong just during rehab and everything with that yeah i mean it was uh i remember everything um it was a brake failure it was a me- uh, mechanic made a mistake uh went off the end of the straightaway we were testing down in uh in west palm uh at the fairgrounds on a uh simulated street track uh ran into lost the brakes at the end of the back straight uh ran into a cement barrier they figured point of impact was about 100 straight on uh just crushed every i mean crushed my ankles broke my knees um uh, again, broke my back. Uh, took them about an hour and a half to cut me out of the car um, because even though they had jaws of life there and, and the best safety stuff they could, they couldn't cut through carbon fiber. So they had to get hacksaws and, and, and cut me out. Um, and then, you know, I remember everything clearly. And then uh, they got me into the helicopter and uh, about a six-hour surgery on my legs and a six- or seven-hour surgery uh, on my back, uh, putting hardware on my back. And, and uh uh, then it was on to rehab, but you know my my whole goal was to get back in that race car. And uh, uh, ten months later, I got back. Uh, I did the IROC race at Daytona and went on to win. Passed Bill Elliott on on the uh, on the last lap going in turn three. And you mentioned the the IROC series. Uh, how was that different than any other any just form of motorsport that you did? Just being able to race the guys like Bill Elliott and you know just the legends of you know different types yeah. of sports. Yeah. That was awesome. That was great. You know, Bill Elliott, uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr., uh, Mark Martin, Ricky Rudd, um, uh, a lot of the guys came over. They had four guys, a couple, you know, two or three guys come over from Europe, a lot of IndyCar guys, uh, open wheel guys. And it was it was it was a lot of fun. It was quite an honor to be involved with that program. Um, and and uh, it's too bad that we don't we don't see more of that. Uh, some more of that now. Uh, let's see. Going along with that. Uh... Tony Stewart, Ray Evernham creating the SRX. Right. Is there any right. shot of you maybe running a couple of those? Yeah. In fact, I talked to Ray uh, last week. So, oh, okay. um, you know, they got a lot of things to put together. And, and uh, most certainly when, um, you know, when he called me and, you know, he goes, man, it was, it'd be awesome to have you involved. And, and I'm still getting stuff together. And, and, you know, let's continue talking about this. And, and uh, I think it'd be, I think it'd be a kick and, and a lot of fun and, and, uh, quite an honor. I mean, that's going to be a fun program. Ray did an incredible job with IROC, uh, as, as well as everything else that he's done. And so if nothing else, it was fun catching up to him. And, and, uh, and we had some, uh, we had some good catch up there. Hopefully we actually do see you in one of those cars. I mean, first of all, those things look really yeah. cool. <laughs> but uh, let's see, uh, after the 1991 cart season, uh, Chip Ganassi offered you a contract. However, you just decided to stay with, uh, true sports, yeah. Um, describe what kind of happened with True Sports after '92, and uh, which left you without a ride in cart. Yeah, that was a tough deal. We all believed in American Made, and um, you know, I, w- I had loyalties. You know, you 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 become loyal to the group that you're with. Um, looking back, maybe I should have gone with uh, with Chip, and especially after being with Chip for 13 years on the sports car side later. But at the time, you make that you know you make that best choice that you can under that sort of set of circumstances. And unfortunately, things kind of came unraveled. The car didn't have the success we wanted to. Everybody started you know the blame game, and uh, unfortunately, it, it fell apart. So um, yeah, 
a lot of a lot of a lot of big dreams and unfortunately that uh, none of them came true and then i think it was the the next season or the following couple months or something you did over ten thousand miles of testing just with firestone as they were re-entering the right. sport uh just from a driver's perspective uh what kind of are you looking for just when it comes to testing all those miles just and what are you communicating to the people in general well it was uh it was pretty crazy because we're rolling in uh, on race day and everybody's loading up and leaving and we're unloading, getting ready to start testing the Monday after because you wanted to test with as much rubber and the same conditions, you know, same track conditions as well as the same weather conditions. And you just had to put your head down and just and just go. You wanted you, you wanted car uh, the tires that that were consistent. You wanted tires that, that did a great job. You wanted I mean, all those things that uh, that we worked out and. And as, as we came back to the track in 95, uh, it did show we did a good job and, and it was a lot of fun doing it. And uh, here I was back to uh, active racing on the IndyCar side. And you mentioned 95, uh, you got your first career win with um, at Michigan. Um, and right. Wasn't that one of the, uh, it was against Allen's or Jr., right. I believe? Right, Allen's or Jr. Yep. Yeah. Um, Checkers or Wreckers, baby. <laughs> that was that. <laughs> Describe that. I knew. <laughs> I knew he'd be coming by, uh, you know, on the last lap because he passed me for the lead uh, going underneath the white flag. And, uh, you know, I knew in my head I was uh, as we came off turn turn two, I was going to fake fake low and go straight to the high side, which I did. And then either I was going to make it stick or I was going to be in the fence, one, one of the two. And, and we came away with a victory. And how did that feel just for you just coming back, obviously, with the injury and then just with, yeah. you know, then like you know, losing the ride and having to do just testing. How did that feel for you getting back and being able to get that first win? Yeah, it was, it was good. And now don't forget in 94, I was the one overall at the Rolex 24, as right. well as we participated. I was driving for the factory, uh, Chevrolet team in a Camaro. We won the Trans Am championship cause I didn't want to lose my race craft. Even though I was testing all these miles, it still is important to have race craft. So I was able to continue to go out there and win, but to get my first victory in an Indy car, uh, with a comeback with with Patrick and, and Pat Patrick and that whole organization and myself and, and Firestone was 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 awesome. And you ran the Indy 500, you know, a handful of times back in the 90s. Um, yeah. What what makes the month of May so special in Indianapolis compared to just any other type of event that you've been to? It's just the, the Indy 500. I mean, just what it is and, and the reputation it has and, and, you know, being able to go and compete in that race is uh, is awesome. Unfortunately, 95 was the last year uh, before the break, uh, before the separation between the two organizations. And so we didn't go back. And I think that was that was pretty painful. How did or what from your perspective, kind of what went wrong with the, the split in general? And how do you feel it could have been, I guess, kind of any- shouldn't have happened? Yeah. You know, it, it's 2020 hindsight. You know, it's just one of those things where uh, ego has gotten away of, of reality um, I remember looking at demographics and, and IndyCar and, and NASCAR were neck and neck. And once they had that separation, all of a sudden uh, NASCAR took off and, and IndyCar was fragmented. And, and it really didn't get back, you know, get back going again until they came back together, you know, 10, 12 years later, whatever that number was. Uh, it was just unfortunate. It was unfortunate for drivers. It was unfortunate for teams. And um, it was a difficult situation for all. Do you feel uh, IndyCar would ever be able to even remotely get back to where they were? Or just because of NASCAR being where they are right now, is it kind of like a steep uh, hill climb? 
That's a, that's a really good question. You know, I watch, uh, I watch all racing. Uh, I root for, for all my friends because I know, uh, I have a lot of friends everywhere in all kinds of racing and, you know, the Indy car, uh, sorry, the Indy 500 was a fantastic race, you know, the, the competition and it's great seeing, uh, seeing the halo now, uh, with, with car and saving lives. That was very scary. And uh, unfortunately lost some friends because of, uh, some bad accidents that didn't have that. So, uh, I think, you know, IndyCar is always going to have, um, uh, the panache that they do. Uh, it's great to see uh, Roger Penske buying the track and, because he's first class. I mean, the guy is just great guy to be around and, and very dynamic and just hard to believe that, you know, he just continues to knock it out of the park with everything he does. Uh, so I think, you know, what, what we see with IndyCar is going to continue. What we see with NASCAR is going to continue. Um, I think sports car also, because sports car offers um, that venue for uh, a lot of different manufacturers like Lexus to be able to go race cars that at least look similar to the ones that are in the showroom. And I think that's important as well. And uh, going back to uh, the 2000 season when you started full-time in Cup uh, in NASCAR, where did or how did that kind of come about and what were kind of the, the differences between running an IndyCar and then transitioning into NASCAR? totally different <laughs> but uh doing i rock and doing some i mean i'm always that guy that you know i like i like something fresh i like something new i like i like trying different things uh the opportunity came about to go go do nascar um it, it was it was interesting it was fun uh it didn't last as long as uh, i had planned um it was a three-year deal and unfortunately it lasted one year and um uh didn't have the opportunity to really show uh what we were capable of but looking back, I, I had so much fun and, and then continued on doing the road courses with, with Chip. And that's how the relationship with Chip started. We finished, we had a couple seconds, uh, one at Sonoma, one at Watkins Glen, a couple thirds, a couple fourths. I always ran strong. And that propelled me to sign, uh, to sign on with, with Lexus and with Chip in, in, at the end of 2003. And you mentioned that uh, 2003, signing with Chip, um, kind of you know, obviously you guys went on a tear for 12, 13 years. Rolex 24 wins, championship, Sebrain wins. Uh, what clicked with that team and just how did, uh, and what made you guys just so unstoppable for that amount of time? Well, one, Chip has an uh, incredible operation and an incredible view of how he wants to put things together. You know, here, um, I'm just, I just came off a winning season. We won the championship in Trans Am with Jaguar in 2003. Uh, I was in a perfect position to, uh, to move into Chip's organization with Lexus. And we just continued on. There was a lot, a lot to learn. Um, uh, Chip had not done sports cars up to that point. Uh, however, he's a racer, and he's a hardcore racer. He puts the right people in place to go do what they do. And we did what we did. We won the championship in 2004 straight out of the box uh, and continued to have, I don't know, 44-something wins um, and, and five championships and, and just a ridiculous uh, run. It was awesome. We actually almost had... A perfect season uh, in 2012. We um, we finished second at Daytona and we finished second in New Jersey and we won every other race. So uh, it was it was a dream season for sure. And and I just I, mean, I had so much fun. I mean, working with the likes of Jim France and and uh, you know his view of what he saw with the um, um, you know Daytona prototype and as it continued to evolve and. Uh, and, and getting the fans back and getting the excitement back and, 
and then seeing NASCAR by uh, by IMSA and, and get that refocused and, and get that energy going again and and you know getting all those great races Daytona uh, the Rolex 24 uh, you got Sebring you got you got Watkins Glen you got uh, Road America uh, Long Beach those, those just those great events all all put together and and a lot of manufacturer involvement which was which was awesome to see. You mentioned Daytona. Uh, describe just all the challenges and just all the hurdles that teams have to go through during the typical type of twenty-four hour event at Daytona. Yeah, I mean it's anything. It can be, it can be smooth sailing, or it can be everything thrown at you from uh, weather changes from from cold to to hot to to wet to fog to intermittent to uh, mechanical issues. And uh, realizing I did my first Rolex twenty-four. Uh, in 1984, I've done quite a few over the years, and um, it was—it's uh, just such a great race. I mean, it, that is—I uh, forget what the stat is on—I um, uh, just got a low battery on my on my on my phone here. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> oh, you're good. Um, but uh, it was uh, just such a great, uh, just such a great event, and 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 if you can make it to Victory Lane, because it's something shared with so many guys your teammates and and the guys in the car with you the guys are doing the pit stops the guys that did all the prep the engineers uh all the time effort and energy goes into the cars before they get to the track to go 20 uh, uh 24 hours is, is awesome and it's shared by so many people it's just it's just absolutely incredible how do you physically and mentally prepare just for those those like endurance type of races and obviously imsa a lot of it is endurance type of races uh, how do you kind of mentally and just physically prepare for that well doing it a lot of times you, you you know exactly what you have to do and a lot of it is continue to take care of yourself eating right i mean i train every day i still train every day so um you you have to be ready uh at any at any time to get back in that car even though you have three three or four drivers you never know what can take place and um but more so than anything else i mean the first time you do something is always the most intimidating um, but by the time you do it, you know, 10 times, 15 times, uh, I think the number I did was 24, something like that. Um, you just get excited. I mean, it's just that adrenaline and that excitement knowing it's coming up. Uh, you always kick it off right at the start of the year with the, with the roar before the 24 and then going back to the actual Rolex 24 hours. Would you say that would say, or would you say that's kind of your, uh, top event that you've ever competed in or 24 hours of Le Mans or what would you say? It's all of them, all of them, all of them. I, I mean, People ask me, what's your favorite track? And I go, well, how can you compare Daytona to Le Mans to Watkins Glen to Australia? You go race Bathurst or go race uh, Surfer's Paradise uh, to, you know, racing at the um, uh, at Indianapolis. I mean, the list goes on and on and on in the cars. I mean, how can I compare an Indy car to, to driving a sports car to driving a NASCAR? I mean, they're all they're all great in their own way. So. Uh, just just had a blessed career, and, and I, I just thank God every day for, for my family and, and, and for the career I've had and, and uh, being able to continue doing what I do um, with Lexus and then here, here at the winery. Were there any individuals just throughout your career that influenced you in, in a big way just on and off the track? Uh, my dad, uh, more than anything else. Um, unfortunately, he's fighting Parkinson's pretty hard right now, and um, it's just an ugly, horrible disease. Uh, but even through it, he's 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 optimistic and and um, uh, patient, and never losing his cool. Um, and, and 
you know, just one of the many great attributes about him. Um, just, just, just amazing guy. So I wish him well and wish your whole family well with all that. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, well, my battery's about ready to die. Unfortunately, I, I hate that. I, I had a pretty cool <laughs> oh, battery good. when we started. <laughs> uh, see, I'll, go, I'll finish off. Do two more questions. How about that? <laughs> okay. Uh, see, Paul Tracy has mentioned on broadcast before the Pruitt fade. What, what exactly yeah. is that? Well, you know, you want to, you don't want to be ugly about uh, trying to use more track. Um, so you you kind of fade over in front of them. And uh, just make sure that if somebody is going by you, they're going to have to work hard to get by it. I always hated uh, seeing, and, and now there's some rules in place with some of the organizers, where if somebody just moves over in front of you to give you the block, that they, they get in trouble for it. So if you give them a fade, you seem like you can get away with it. That's a great point. And final question, uh, how special was it for you to be inducted into the Motorsports Hall of Fame of America back in 2017? It's been... Uh, absolutely incredible the honor um and then you know the go-kart hall of fame and and uh the west coast stock car hall of fame and then most recently uh this year the um northern california um um uh sports figure hall of fame it's it's that's that that, that's the icing on uh, on top of the icing on top of the whipped cream uh of this wonderful cake it's I'm blessed. I'm honored, and it's uh, it, it's very cool. That's awesome. I appreciate you coming on the show, and I uh, wish you nothing but the best, your whole family, and uh, you know, you've meant a lot to me just watching what motorsports as I've grown up. But I wish you nothing but the best. I appreciate it. It's good talking to you. Have you a too. great day. You too, man. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Behind the Catch Fence with special guest Scott Pruitt. It was an absolute joy being able to chat with him about his legendary career across all the motorsports. Growing up watching that famous number 01 sports car rip through the field and dominate week in and week out with Pruitt behind the wheel is one of my all-time favorite motorsports memories. Being able to chat with the legend himself was a true honor. And I'd like to thank Scott once again for coming on to the podcast. We're just about out of time for today's episode, so look out for more interviews and content over the next couple weeks. Before I go, make sure to follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Behind Catch. Thank you guys for listening. I'll catch you guys later.